Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. Delighted to have with us today, Sam Crawford. Sam spoke at GeoMob back in July of 2020, where he not only spoke, but was co-winner of the Splash Maps Best Speaker Prize. Gave a great talk about his service, Trail Router, which is what he's going to tell us about today. Sam, welcome to the show. Who are you and what is Trail Router? Well, thank you very much for uh, for having me, Ed. So Trail Router is a route planner for running and hiking. It creates routes that favor greenery and nature and avoids uh, busy roads and streets wherever possible. Beyond this, it can also generate round-trip routes for you. Those are the ones which start and end at the same location and can meet a certain desired distance, like five kilometers. So effectively, it creates a nice green running route for you, which lasts for whatever distance you want. And so this is mainly targeting runners? Or, or I think if I recall correctly, the story, what you you yourself like to go for a run, and, and that's how you got into building this, is that right? Yes, I'm a keen runner, both short distances and up to ultramarathon distances. My original use case uh, was not just discovering routes in my in my local area. For my day job, I travel, or rather I used to travel quite a lot, often to places that I've not been before. So I'll give you an example. I might have traveled to Melbourne in Australia for the for the first time. This is actually the real case a couple of years ago. So I'd be wide awake from, from jet lag around about four o'clock in the morning in a city on the other side of the planet that I've never been to before. And I'd want to go for a run for a day of busy meetings begins. But of course, I don't know the area and I don't want to end up running along busy roads. So at this point, I'd fire up the laptop, probably open Google Maps, take a quick look at the area, see what greenery, rivers and so on are around. And then I'd open up a separate online route planning tool, something like GMAP Pedometer, and then draw a route around the greenery um, to gauge the distance, see how accessible it is and so on. All of this is quite slow and cumbersome and I'm doing it at four o'clock in the morning and I'm quite jet lagged. But what I, so what I really wanted was, frankly, something I could open on my phone, ask it for a maybe a five or 10 kilometer route, which started and finished where I am right now and took in as much greenery and nature around me as possible. The whole process, I wanted to take seconds rather than the 10 or 15 minutes it was actually taking me. So I conceived of this idea for a trail router in, <laughs> in a hotel in Melbourne at four o'clock in the morning last year. And ultimately, about nine months or so later, that's what I built trail roads to do. And that's exactly what it does right now, amongst a few other things too. Well, well done. I mean, it's a, it's a great service. I encourage every listener to go play with it because it's the, the usability is fantastic. But just to clarify, you have so you have no background in geo. Is that right? I mean, you're a software developer, but but not any any particular geo inclination. Correct. Oh, I well done. Never touched anything geographical before starting to work on travel But I do have a, a computer science background. So in my day job, I'm the CTO of a small technology company which focuses on internet performance measurements. So completely unrelated to geospatial work. Wow. Okay, that makes it even more impressive. Very well done. Okay, so so you built the service and you launched it, and how's it going? How many people are using it? How are they using it? Any any new things come up that you weren't expecting, or what what has been the response since you since you first launched it? 
response was very, very good. So I initially launched it on Reddit, the, the running subreddit, maybe beginning of 2020. And then a few months later, I mentioned it in a follow-up post on Hacker News around what people are doing on their, their lockdown projects. And both of those got a very large amount of attention. In fact, so large that I was using, in fact, I still am using Mapbox at the time. And I ended up racking up quite a large Mapbox bill simply from all of the usage that um, the trail router was uh, was getting due to this due to this spike in, uh, in activity. And I wasn't really expecting this larger bill or this larger usage. So um, I contacted Mapbox afterwards and they were very, very kind. They waived the bill and actually ended up admitting the project to their community program and effectively sponsoring it in kind meaning I get a free usage. So I'm very, very grateful to Macbox for support from their, their program there. Beyond that, on a more regular basis, I think the, the usage I'm seeing is certainly not what I was really expecting. My, As I said, my original use case for this myself was for when I was traveling abroad. Now, of course, I've done none of that since February or so last year. So that's really fallen off a cliff. But there's still been quite a lot of usage. Feedback I've had from users is that they're using it now to discover new running routes near their home as they're, they're bored of running their own, their existing regular ones. Sure. I yeah, I, we, I, I've walked all over my neighborhood now that uh-huh. we can't really go anywhere else. So yes, I can, I can sympathize. I yeah. And I think people generally have a bit more time on their hands. So they might be used to, they might be using it to generate more scenic running routes, ones which are less direct anyway, rather than just going for the uh, for the shortest. I myself am, have been using it for planning longer runs in my area, just because I know it will create a nice route, even at the expense of distance. But regarding ongoing usage, there's, there's a few thousand users of the Android app, the iOS app, and the web app. But on an average day, there's probably around five to 700 unique users. Usage is spread all over the world, but I'd say is predominantly or biggest cohort is from from Europe and surprisingly Japan. Uh, Japan might seem an odd one, but I had a quick Google around for Japanese content relating to Trail Router, and I found a really, really good and really in-depth article on a, a Japanese language magazine, which showed users how to use literally every single feature of Trail Router. And I can see that that's what this one magazine article, which I, I think we'll link to in the show notes, uh, drives almost all of the traffic from Japan. Well done. That's fantastic. Right. Well, let's get into some of those features because obviously there are lots of different routing engines out there all over the web and whatever. And usually they're heavily biased towards cars. Of course, you know, how do I drive from point A to point B? But then there are, of course, the specialist ones for cyclists and things like that. So so what makes your, your service unique? What makes it so special? Sure. So we've already touched on a couple of them, but I'll just reiterate them here. The First and foremost, it favors greenery. When I say greenery, I really mean nature, like water, rivers, uh, forests, parks, and so on. It favors greenery in its route planning rather than just trying to find the fastest or most direct route. Secondly, it can create round-trip routes for you. So these are routes where you might say, I want to start and finish at my home, and I want the route to last approximately 10 kilometers. Trail routes will then give you a selection of routes which are roughly 10 kilometers. They might be 8 kilometers, they might be 12 kilometers, but they'll mostly be around about 10. And uh, you can pick the one you want. And of course, you can then export that to a GPX file, and load it up into a into an actual turn-by-turn navigation app as you're going, or you can load it up into a, to a running watch. So those, I'd say, are the two core features. But uh, based upon feedback from others, I've added in loads more. 
So one of the, the earliest feature requests was to avoid repetition, or as runners usually talk, term it, uh, out and backs. So I think you said yourself you're a keen walker or runner, Ed. Probably when you are going for a walk or run, you probably avoid simply doing a walk up a very long road and then coming straight back. Right, straight back yeah, you generally you do a do circle. Right? Yeah. 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 So that's what the avoid repetition feature in, in Trail Router does. It tries to avoid using the same, same road or the same path twice. Uh, so the idea is it creates you a nice loop. Beyond this, there's lots of other features geared towards runners. So uh, hills was quite a popular one. Initially, I added a feature for avoiding hills. I suspected most runners, myself included, would tend to want to prefer flatter services. Uh, surfaces rather. But quite early on, I got quite a few inquiries saying they would actually like to uh, prefer hills because they might be training for some particular uh, mountain marathon or hilly event coming up and they wanted to try and get as much elevation gain as possible. And lastly, I'd say, well, there's lots of other small features as well. In the, in the routing space, I dabbled in some early safety features as well. So one of my friends mentioned that they avoided running late at night and in the early evenings in the winter, simply because it was so dark and they didn't know where it was particularly safe. So they would tend to stick to, to well-lit streets. So there is now an option in Trail Router to, to A, prefer running on well-lit streets. So it actually factors in street lighting into the routing algorithm itself. And B, it also overlays onto the map itself a visual overlay of which streets are lit and which streets. How, how, where do you get that data from? Is that from OpenStreetMap or how are you? How are you? Everything in Trail Router is from OpenStreetMap one way or another. And yes, there is a there is a lit tag in OpenStreetMap, which has a few different values, but yes, it's derived from there. That's fantastic that it's comprehensive enough. Huh. Well, I, yeah, I have some I have some thoughts on OpenStreetMap, but yes, one of my biggest learning from this is simply how powerful the OpenStreetMap database is. I think I, when, I, when I originally came to this project, I'd heard of OpenStreetMap like any person who works in technology has heard of OpenStreetMap. Uh, I think the name itself is kind of misleading. You kind of, you kind of imagine it as being an open source alternative to Google Maps, frankly. Sure. But uh, it's, as, as we all know, or as you and I know now, and probably the vast majority of your listeners, it's not really a map at all. It's actually a database, which can then be transformed into a map, but it can also be transformed into so many other things as well. And it's a database aspect of this, which I think is just incredibly powerful, particularly all of the tags that are associated with all of the objects with the OpenStreetMap. If those tags weren't there, then Drill Router just simply would not be possible. It wouldn't exist. Well, well done to the OpenStreetMap community for, for that level of comprehensiveness. I mean, yeah, it, it is pretty phenomenal. The more you dig, the more you find in there. So I'm convinced there's a whole plethora of other services which could be built on top of that OpenStreetMap data, but simply just people simply just don't realize the, the breadth of data that's available there. When I first started looking at building trail routes, and naturally the, the first thing I did was to look at APIs provided by some of the big providers like uh, Google Maps and Mapbox, and I can't remember if Apple had one at the time, but uh, I was particularly interested to see, right, is there is there an option to do round-trip routing or green routing in any of these services? And there wasn't. And obviously, there's no way to access the underlying data from these services. The only way I could do this was literally to build it myself on top of some data database. And the only database in town for this information is OpenStreetMap. 
Well done. Well done. Do you do anything to encourage users to kind of contribute back to OpenStreetMap for like, you know, if there's a there's a path where you don't have the lighting, things like that? Or is that is it kind of you're consuming or are you also kind of directing user contributions back? There's a little bit of that. There's not there's not a huge amount of it, to be honest. There is in the, the web-based version or and on and on the iOS app as well, there is an option under the help screen to, to report an issue. And that report an issue is a user will identify what is what is the issue there. They can click on the map and say, this trail is inaccessible or this, this path is unsafe for runners. And I'll, I'll touch more on pedestrian routing safety um, a little bit later on, I'm sure. And depending on the, the nature of the issue that they submit there, sometimes I'll use the OpenStreetMap API to directly upload a, I think it's a, I can't remember now, it's either a comment or a note on the OpenStreetMap for someone else to act upon, or I will review it myself and I will submit a, um, a more detailed comment myself or a change to OpenStreetMap based upon that. So yes, there is, but um, I must admit, it doesn't get a massive amount of usage and that's probably just because it's not, not prominent enough. Well, it's, it's always a, a user experience struggle. You know, how do you, obviously the vast majority of users just want to use a service. It's, it's, it's only, you know, one to maybe maximum 10% who want to actually create the content. So, but that's fantastic that there's at least, at least the beginnings of kind of a feedback loop to, to improve things. And then, you know, obviously you improve it, not just for, for your service, but for everyone. So, so that's great. So my co-host, Stephen, his traditional GeoMob question is, of course, what's the business model behind this, this enterprise? Is there a business model or how does this work? Because you, you mentioned you had some, some unexpected high costs from, from Mapbox. So, so how, how does this whole operation go? It's a good question. And uh, in short, there is no business model currently. All of the server hosting is self-funded and the development is just myself in my own spare time. It does only require a single server, but it is quite a, um, quite a, quite a big and fairly expensive server, servers go, simply because it has to host all of the, the data globally. I did originally toy with the idea of just loading up the UK data here because selfishly I'm based in the UK. But then that doesn't work for my own use case because I wanted to use this when I was traveling internationally. So I had to have all of the data in there. There's no, uh, there's no other choice. So I needed quite a large and powerful server there. As I mentioned, Mapbox is porting it via their community program. So I don't have any uh, costs there. But effectively, it does make a, a loss, albeit a small one. But whilst it's a, whilst it's a project I enjoy running and enjoy working on, which I do, then I'm completely happy to, uh, completely happy to do that. Uh, I'm not saying that can't change in the future. Perhaps if I if I end up running out of time or ends up getting successful enough, it needs more resources. Then maybe there will some commercial element will enter into it. Or if I run out of time due to due to other commitments, then maybe I'll um, I'll open it up to community, completely open source everything, and invite others to, to get much more actively involved in it. But I also fully recognise that I'm very 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 lucky to actually have a. A, a day job, which can allow me to, to work on and run projects like this effectively for, for free for everyone else. And B, I'm also very grateful to the uh, support received from, from Mapbox. And of course, C, the, the OpenStreetMap community themselves, because uh, none of this would be possible without the data that everyone contributes via OpenStreetMap. One thing, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned that one of the key points for you is the learning. And one thing I really like about this project, I mean, beyond that, it's a fantastic service in its own right, is you've been very transparent about the, the learning. You've written some 
several great blog posts about what you've learned along the way. And actually, that's how that's how I, I became aware of the service and then invited you to speak at Geomob. And, and this is a technique I really think more people should should do because by exposing their learning, A, other people benefit from it, of course, and, and hopefully maybe don't make the same mistakes, but also... It's a it's a great way to get people interested in the project, and particularly you have a you have a great post that we'll link in the show notes called um, "How Trail Rotor Works," where you really go under the hood and explain all the things. So yeah, so t- tell us a bit about that strategy of being so transparent about what you're learning and and the reactions it's kind of generated and and how that's worked out. Sure. So I'm not sure I am actually that transparent about it. I. Oh, compared to many projects you are. I mean, your blog is quite comprehensive. That that one post I found absolutely fantastic because it really kind of documented the experience of someone who, you know, has a technical background, but no experience, no deep experience with OpenStreetMap or or with geo services. And it, it really, it, very eye-opening, I see, to, to show kind of the like, the steps you went through. And then you're like, then I tried this and ah, oh, that didn't work. And, you know, then I realized, then I discovered this piece. I thought it was really great. Well, thank you very much. But um, I guess the the point I was uh, I have in mind here is the blog. There is, I uh, honestly, very few people read the blog apart from that one particular article, which has which has got quite a lot of attention. The blog is kind of split into two two parts. One, it focuses on completely non technical because I I hope the vast majority of the audience uh, that's using Trail Router is not technical. I'm not expecting uh, geo specialists. I'm hoping they would be more keen to use it as a consumer and use it to, to plan and run. So I, I often go out of my way to avoid going too technical in some of the uh, some of the blog posts. But at the same time, I realize it's also a quite an interesting topic. So if I put myself in my own shoes from two years ago, I would have been very, very interested in reading about how this worked or how this was built. So that was also the other impetus for um, for writing that more technical blog post. But it also could have got gone into a lot more depth as well, which I might might do in the future. But yes, in short, I, I absolutely agree with you. I would also like to see more, more detailed write-ups like this from, from others, partly because it would I did it because it's it's kind of like a nice way to look back and see. Everything that I that I thought right at the beginning, how I moved from that point to to where I am now, what decisions I have to take. Because when you're starting out with these things, there's a lot of information overload. When you know a little bit about the space but not enough, you're you're overwhelmed by you know, should I be should I be going down the OpenStreetMap route? Should I be trying to make something work with one of these existing APIs? Can I adapt Graphhopper? Can I adapt Open Route Service? Should I be trying to get this data from someone else? There's just so many possible paths. And someone who's familiar with this space would absolutely be able to turn around and say to you, no, forget X, forget Y, you want to, you want to do Z. It uh, will get your results much quicker. But when you don't know this, it's all a learning experience. And of course, even now, I imagine if someone in who's worked in the, the routing space and the mapping space all their life with, in similar kind of fields, if they looked at this, they would say, gosh, that's a really naive approach he's used for uh, for doing the round-trip routing around fine green spaces. If only he'd have used this particular technique documented in this uh, paper published five years ago, that would have given him a much, much better result. So I think it's, but it's still useful to document the approaches taken. So the next person who comes along in you know, two months, two years, 10 years, whatever it is, can, can build upon it and see what was the state of the art back in back in 2020 or early 2021. 
agree completely. I think it's really, really valuable. And I know it's a lot of effort to to document things. As it, and so that's why many people skip it. But it, it is really quite valuable for, for the community. But I think it can also be quite valuable for you to have that record and, and record your thinking. So... But let's go a bit deeper on that. So, so you know, in the GeoMob community, we have many people who like to do geo kind of hobby projects and explore things and try out the new technology and stuff. So what advice would you have for anyone out there who's who has some kind of geo idea and is thinking about, oh, let me kind of whip this up and take this forward and see if anyone's interesting? What 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 do you wish you had done differently over the last year? And what what do you wish had gone better? You know, what feedback would you give them? I've been thinking about this question and I don't know what I really would have done differently in terms of, because I think, I don't think there was actually many options for doing what I wanted to do. Like if I wanted to just build, if I was, if this wasn't in the geo space and I wanted to build a, I don't know, an Android app or a, or a web application, there's 101 different frameworks you can possibly use. You can look back and say, oh, you know what, I could have done X or Y or Z and it would have saved me all these troubles. But in this particular space, the only real option I had was to base the data on an OpenStreetMap and then modify an existing routing engine. Sure, I could have picked a different routing engine. I based it upon Open Route Service, which in turn is based upon Graphhopper. Maybe I, I could have gone directly on top of Graphhopper because I actually have made quite a lot of changes to Open Route Service and it's made keeping pace with new releases a little bit tricky. But fundamentally, I don't think I could have done anything massively different. Of course, I could have marketed the product differently. Maybe I should, as, as we were talking about earlier, have uh, tried to commercialize it straight from day one. But frankly, that also kind of went against what I wanted to achieve with the uh, the project. Back, one of the things I didn't mention earlier on was you know, when I was my uh, myself at four o'clock in the morning in this hotel in Melbourne, uh, I was trying lots of different apps to see if there were was anything which could do what I wanted. And every single one required a login, required you to sign up, wait for email verification. And it was just such a hassle. All I wanted to do was was to find a nice, quick running route. Um, so any barriers there were a real pain, pain for me. So that's why when you open up Trail Router, you don't even have to click anything. It just generates a route for you or generates a set of routes straight away. So it's designed to be minimal, minimal user overhead. Yeah, so I would uh, what I'd say to... Sorry, go ahead. Well, I would say, yeah, that does really stand out. The usability of the service is fantastic. It's a great, wow. it's an example everyone can learn from, I would say. Well, I have some some thoughts on that. But uh, anyway, the, the I'd say first and foremost, advice to any other people who are perhaps in a similar kind of boat, maybe they have some experience with computer science or web development or back-end work is, and I was talking to somebody just yesterday about this, actually, they, they were very, very daunted about the geo space. They said, I'd need to task a whole bunch of developers for a couple of weeks to even uh, make headway in this. The, the whole space was just so impenetrable to them. They couldn't conceive that you could actually just get started very, very simply. And you really, really, really can. It is so simple to get started with some of these example projects out there. My advice first and foremost would be just try out a few examples, get some get some code running and and then ask the community. There's the community in the geospace is very, very helpful. So if you want to do something in the routing space, there's a whole bunch of forums to ask on. Probably the biggest open source project out there by far in the routing space would be Graphhopper, but the open route service forum is also very helpful. Um, more generically in the mapping space or in the around the OpenStreetMap database effectively would be to ask on the OpenStreetMap forums or perhaps the mailing list. 
haven't really got involved with that, but the forums are helpful. There's loads of resources and everyone is generally very, very friendly. I agree. I agree. People should, uh, on both counts, people should dive in and, and get started. That's the fastest way to learn. And, and yeah, dive into the community as well. So anyone out there listening, if that's your 2021 New Year's resolution to get your project off the ground, get cracking. So, um, <laughs> and, Well, I'd also extend if anyone is working on a, on a routing project, then I'm very, very happy to, uh, to give any advice as well. So feel free to reach out directly if you wish. Very nice. So, so what are, as we wrap up, what are, what are the plans for the service for 2021? What are, what are your goals? What's the next, what comes next? Sure. So you, you mentioned a minute ago, you thought it was very, very usable. I actually think the, uh, the polar opposite. I think it's, um, it is not particularly usable at the moment. And I'm convinced that a, that is one of the, the barriers for, uh, for it getting more users. And I think there is a large potential user base out there of people who like to go for short runs in the local area or long runs at the weekend, or maybe they're, they're travelers like my original use case, but I realize that's a bit more niche. So I would like to make it A, more usable for everyone, and B, once I have achieved that, improve the uptake, make it more discoverable. So um, that's really my goal for, for 2021. Well, I think you're selling yourself a bit short there, Sam, because I, I find it highly usable, but also good that we have some slight disagreement because then that's a good prompt for all the listeners to go check out the service and, and form their own opinion. So, um, Okay, well, thank you. But I, I will add that I have just launched uh, a couple of weeks ago a, a new Android app for TrailRooter, which I think does massively improve the uh, usability. It's fully native now rather than than an HTML5 web wrapper. And there is also a a similar iPhone version in the works. I will, however, admit that I'm neither a Mac user or an iPhone user, and this is I'm learning Swift development as I go along. So all of this is, uh, is quite new to me. Well done. Well done, man. All right. Well, thanks very much, Tim, for coming on the show and telling us all about it. And congrats on on the progress to date and uh, all the learnings along the way. And uh, yeah, I encourage all the listeners to check out this great service. And uh, as Sam said, you know, dive into your own project. Thanks for coming, Tim. Thanks again for having me. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Stephen at Stephen Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon.